We have got a lot to break down from this past week in the National Hockey League as free agent frenzy was a lot more of a frenzy than I think a lot of us thought. We're going to go over some of the Canadian teams, some of the biggest free agent acquisitions, and some question marks from some others. All that and more Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome in, as always, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kyle Gamard, your host. It is a Friday, July the 13th. Uh, for those who listened to the last episode and it sounded a little different, I used the, the the home microphone, but sometimes when when I like set it all up, there's a certain... I, I just have to go to settings on it and it has to be a specific way. So if it didn't sound as as clear, or as deep as it normally is, it, it was just one of those things. I, I listened back to it and I, it just wasn't the same sounding, but I'm back at the work studio today. So, and we had a lot to get to. Uh, SD Hockey Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts from. Free Agent Frenzy was wild. And Normally for these, I have I have scripts, right? I have I have segments that I want to transition into and talk about. But really, the main thing that we can discuss on the show today is is all of the free agent transitions and transactions that were made. And you know, I, I think it's safe to say that there were a lot more than a lot of us thought there was going to be. I think on day one, it was shared that five hundred and seventy plus million dollars was given out on day one, which is not only the most in recent memory. But the year after a pandemic and a flat cap world where players were not going to be able to bargain for as much, um, players got paid. And we'll go over some of the Canadian team uh, acquisitions. And I want to talk about a couple other teams in particular, ones that I think did a really good job, ones that I'm kind of questioning. Other teams that, you know, despite the lack of movement, I kind of got to give a bravo to. So let's just go over a couple of the bigger individual transactions and then we'll work our way over to the Canadian teams and uh, and a few other teams that I thought were interesting. Obviously, the biggest name on the board of the day was Dougie Hamilton. And there was speculation that he could have re-signed back in Carolina and sometimes, uh, you know, teams, you know, out in uh, in L.A. were interested. There's a bunch of other teams that were interested in Dougie Hamilton. But ends up Dougie Hamilton signs a seven-year deal $9 million per season with the New Jersey Devils. And kind of an odd team to sign them to, but they had the cap space. And especially with P.K. Subban on the books. And I didn't realize how much cap space that New Jersey had, despite the fact that P.K. is on the, on the roster for one more year at that $9.5 million cap hit. But I'm just, I'm going over to the cap friendly right now. And I know that free agency isn't done yet, but as of right now, New Jersey still has $21 million in cap space. Nico Heischer signed and locked in at the long term at age 22 at $7.25 million. They've still got Andreas Janssen, Miles Woods under contract, Jesper Bratt, Pavel Zaka, uh, Jesper Boakvist, Jack Hughes on the roster. And, you know, you go to defense, Dougie Hamilton, David Severson. They traded for Ryan Graves. Ty Smith had a great season last year as well. He's got two years left on his rookie deal. And then goaltending, they signed Jonathan Bernier. And they still have Mackenzie Blackwood and Scott Wedgwood as well. They uh, retained a little bit of Will Butcher's contract, which is only 900 k on their books. And P.K. Subban's coming off the books next year. 
which will then give them space for some of their younger players. And they have even more cap room. They can add a bunch of other players that are still available right now in free agency who at the end of the show will still go over. But, you know, at first I was kind of questioning this deal that Dougie, I'm like, of all places, why would you go to Jersey? I mean, Carolina was such a great fit for you. And I hear too that Carolina this year has just been absolutely lowballing players and teams. We talked about it with, with Alex, Alex Nedeljkovic, right? The goaltender who they traded for Bernier in a third and then lost Bernier. Then they signed Frederick Anderson to four and a half million dollars for two years. That's another contract we'll get to. But I was just, I was curious as why Carolina didn't want to keep those players, especially a player that moved the needle as much as Dougie Hamilton did. And I think he's going to be great in New Jersey. But I think New Jersey's in a lot better of a spot right now than I think. Now, they've got five RFAs after this coming season. All will need new contracts. Miles Wood, Jesper Bratt, Pavel Vazaka, Jesper Boakvist, and Jack Hughes. That's that's a lot of RFAs that right now are making 2.7, 2.7, 2.7, and 9.25. Right? So some of the money is going to have to be diluted there. But $9 million's coming off the books next year for PK, just in time. That's going to alleviate a lot of that. Plus, at this moment, they've got $21 million to spend. So I can kind of see, at first, the mentality I, wasn't un- I was unsure of, but I kind of get the mentality of, uh, of Dougie Hamilton going to the New Jersey Devils. So in all honesty, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. All right, I want to move on to a few other really big Big, you know, transactions and, and signings that were made uh, during the first day. Uh, obviously, the big one, the, one of the other big ones, the Colorado Avalanche re-signing Gabriel Landeskog to an eight-year contract. He's going to make about $7 million per season. It was a last-minute deal. They got right under the radar. It was bef- had to be before midnight of the of free agency, which was Wednesday. So they got that eighth year in there, $7 million per. Listen, it's a great deal for Colorado. Uh, there was a lot less money. I think that was the lowest amount of money that I thought that Landis Cog would go. But it shows here that he wanted term. Term was the big thing. He wanted the seven, eight years. Seven was the bare minimum that Landis Cog wanted to go. He wanted to be locked in long-term security. He got his eighth year. Colorado probably got the money down a little bit to about $7 million. It's a great move all around for the Avalanche. It saves them a bit in terms of trying to find ways to sign Nathan McKinnon, who's going to be up in a couple of years. And they got McCarr locked in at 9-2, so that's great. Finalized the Edmonton Oilers signing Zach Hyman, a seven-year deal at $5.5 million. We'll talk about the Oilers a little bit later on, but also they brought back Tyson Berry on a three-year $13.5 million deal. Pays him $4.5 million per season. Toronto Maple Leafs signing goaltender Peter Mrazek on a three-year deal with $3.8 million average per season. Uh, Hurricanes re-signed uh, forward Jordan Martinook to a three-year $5.4 million contract. That's not per year, that's total. Like I said earlier, Hurricanes signing goaltenders Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. Calgary Flames, this was one of the Tampa Bay Lightning that was going to get paid, and did he ever get paid? Blake Coleman, six-year contract, going to make $4.9 million per season. And if you're like, oh, that's actually not too bad, he made $1.8 million last year. So awesome on Blake Coleman to get the bag. Um, you know, he's the guy that really deserved it. He is also, he's been posting a lot on social media. He is really embracing being a Calgary Flame. So good on him there. Tampa Bay Lightning extended Braden Point to an eight-year extension with $9.5 million per season on that one. The Boston Bruins were one of the busiest teams. And I'm, those that's one of the other teams I want to talk about in a little bit. But they, uh, they signed... 
a plethora of players. Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, Nick Foligno, Linus Allmark, all going to the Boston Bruins. They also signed Derek Forbert to a three-year, $9 million contract. Um, they're going to be a busy one. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff, he's staying where he was drafted. He re-signs with the Ducks to a one-year deal. I believe it's $4.5 million per season. It's a lot cheaper than the $8.5 million he was making, so gives the Ducks some leeway. A player that I really liked uh, signing with the... Detroit Red Wings and Pios Suter, Pios Suter signing a two-year deal, $3.5 million per season. Um, he'll be a nice fit over there. He's going to get an opportunity. He was in Chicago this past year, and I think he's going to be a very, very good player. Uh, Ryan Suter going to the Dallas Stars on a pretty good contract as well. He's going to make about $3.6 or $3.7 million per season. Brendan Saw just re-signing uh, with the St. Louis Blues on a five-year deal, $22.5 million contract, which he's going to make $4.5 million per season. Remember when the Seattle Kraken uh, selected Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals? They traded him back to the Capitals for a second rounder. And you why, you ask? Because they signed goaltender Philip Grubauer to a six-year deal worth $5.9 million per season. When uh, when Ron Francis, the general manager, talked about it, he said, we didn't think he was getting to free agency. He's a Vesna finalist. Two of the three Vesna finalists will be playing for different teams next season. The only one that's staying is Andre Vasilevsky. Marc-Andre Fleury got traded from Vegas, and Philip Grubauer is no longer with the, with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. He is now a member of the Seattle Kraken. That gave leverage to Ron Francis. He then flipped Vitek Vanacek back to the Capitals and got a second-round pick out of it. So good call there. Uh, speaking of goaltenders, what was Colorado going to do? Well, they traded a first and a third-round pick along with defenseman prospect Connor Timmins in exchange for Darcy Kemper. 50% of Kemper's salary is going to be retained. He makes $4.5 million, so now he's going to cost $2.25 for the Colorado Avalanche. So they've got their goaltender, but, man, very questionable there in uh, – in Colorado for a bit, but they've got their guy over there. Uh, Kings re-signing Andreas Anthony to a one-year $2.7 million contract. Corey Perry going to the Tampa Bay Lightning, a two-year deal with $1 million per season. Uh, Zach Bogosian also going to Tampa Bay on a three-year deal with eight hundred fifty k per season. So they're just getting absolute spectacular value from some of these players. A big extension signing. Columbus Blue Jackets signed Zach Rowenski, Wierenski, sorry, to a six-year, $57.5 million contract extension. He is going to, uh, he's going to make about $9.6 million per season. So just a little bit more than his former teammate, Seth Jones. Uh, like I said, Bruins bringing in a bunch of players. Allmark, four-year deal, $20 million. The Kraken signing Jane Schwartz to a five-year, $27.5 million extension. The former St. Louis Blue is going to be one of the big guns going over there. I like the move. Flyers adding some goaltending insurance, bringing on Martin Jones on a one-year contract. The Devils, like we said, signing Bernier to a two-year, $8.25 million deal. Another player that really cashed in on the bag, the Nashville Predators re-signing Mikhail Granlund to a four-year, $20 million contract. Remember, the Predators also have... Ryan Johansson still, and Matt Duchesne at center. Both of those guys make $8 million per season. And in terms of uh, another center to the Seattle Kraken, they found a guy, Alexander Wenberg, three-year deal. He will make $4.5 million per season. So pretty solid contract there. And with the news with uh, with Shea Weber possibly being out all next year, the Montreal Canadiens sign uh 
David Savard, Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champion, a four-year contract. He's going to make, I believe, $3.5 million per season. Yeah, he'll have an average annual uh, cap hit of $3.5 million per season. Philip Deneau cashed in his big ticket. He signed a six-year contract with the LA Kings. The uh, average annual cap hit is going to be $5.5 million. He'll slot right in behind Anze Kopitar. I think that's a really good fit for him. So good move on the Kings and good for Deneau to, uh, to get his money. And I guess let's stay with the Montreal Canadiens. They signed Mike Hoffman to a three-year deal. He's going to make $4.5 million per season. Okay, so I guess, you know, we ended with Montreal. So we'll stick with Montreal for a second here. So... The Montreal Canadiens have had an interesting offseason. And interesting is probably too positive of a word to give them. It's been an interesting one. And it started with Mark Bergevin, you know, gambling a little bit and exposing Carey Price at the de- at the expansion draft with the opportunity of the Seattle Kraken to select him. Seattle didn't bite. They didn't call his bluff. They were able to retain him. And then a day later it comes out that, oh, Carey Price is going to be okay. Right, and I thought of that. And I'm like, well, that's that's a little iffy, but I don't know. Whatever. They just got they just kind of got screwed over with the whole Tampa Bay was 18 million over the cap, but I think everyone's over it at this point. Then the draft comes and goes, and of course the drama and the uh, scrutiny selecting defenseman Logan Mayu, who was of course involved in the sexual uh, charge uh, issues that happened in Sweden overseas. He was telling teams not to draft him. They still selected him. And, you know, we mentioned earlier, Philip Deneau is now going to the LA Kings. And, you know, then the Habs go out. And I like the David Savard signing. I think it's a good cap hit. And it's going to be a a, a nice replacement. I don't think he's going to replace Shea Weber. But then, you know, they bring in a guy like Mike Hoffman, who has had some character issues as well, whether it was in Florida or the big blow up in Ottawa. And, you know, it's, it's they're going to be a very different team next year. Everyone who's saying all Montreal's going to be back and ready to go. You lost Corey Perry, who everyone was losing their minds over when they got him last year. And in all fairness, he was he was good for them and, you know, played a big role and helped them with that Stanley Cup run. But he's gone. You still got your goalie tandem in Carey Price and Jake Allen. But Shea Weber's probably not playing next year. Philip Deneau's gone. You have to insert Jesperi Kocktaniemi in the lineup. No Thomas Tatar, who's still available, by the way. Mike Hoffman's there, Caulfield's there, Suzuki's there. I understand all that. But there are there are a lot of character pieces missing from this team going into next year. And yeah, you know, there's there's Ben Sherratt still and Joel Edmondson. And yes, Jeff Petrie's there and Brett Kulak. And now I'm just naming random players on the team. But that is, I would say, the three most important players last year to the Montreal Canadiens were Carey Price, obviously, Philip Deneau, and Shea Weber. Two of those three guys won't be back next year. If Weber's back, it'll be if Montreal makes the playoffs. Which, again, if remind you, the divisions are going back. So there's now the Atlantic. So you're in the division with the Panthers and the Bruins and the Lightning. And I know you beat them in the playoffs. But the Leafs, who still have a, a very good regular season team, if they can change things up in the playoffs. We'll talk about the Leafs in a little bit, too. But the problem isn't going to be, like, this is obviously a team that does well in the playoffs. They they played a very good style of game. The issue with this team will be making the playoffs. And you lost two of your three most important players. Now, you can argue that Cole Caulfield is up there and maybe another year in the system. But 
more pressure is on a guy like Caulfield. More pressure is on a guy like Suzuki. You don't have the def- the, the the center depth anymore to scratch Yesberry Cockney Like you gotta play him. And over a long regular season, Boston really loaded up. Tampa's gonna be gearing up again. Florida loaded up. Toronto still got that center depth of Matthews and Tavares. It's going to be interesting. I don't hate the moves that they did, but they also, you know, it's it's a lot of character questioning. You add one of the more likable teams with with Shea Weber and Price and Deneau, who wasn't a scorer, and you had the Caulfields and Corey Perry, who no one liked, but then people started liking him because he was on a Canadian team and helping him. And now you're bringing, now you have the draft of Logan Mayu, and now you're bringing in a not great character guy and Mike Hoffman, who just gives me like Mike Ribeiro vibes in Montreal for some reason. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what the makeup is of that team. They also have a lot of RFAs coming up this year, including Nick Suzuki. So, I mean, I it's not that I hated the Habs offseason, just a lot of question marks into what Bergevin's thinking and, you know, the character issues. And, you know, he showed the, the, the type of person, the type of GM he has, or he's not really caring about character or what you think of him or the slander that the organization's going to get. You know, that's he's taking the best talent available and trying to roster that together. So we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, kind of the big moves that happened over for the Montreal Canadiens. They also signed Matthew Perot. Good depth guy uh, for like 950K. So he'll be a, a good one over there. Okay, I want to move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs and a team that, you know, made some necessary moves. But I, I got I got to applaud them. So they bring in, so they lose Zach Hyman on that big deal, which I think Toronto was smart to not resign him to. Even though Toronto I bel- apparently offered Hyman an eight-year contract, I think the average annual cap it though was like four or four and a half. So not what Hyman was getting on the open market. I think seven years at five and a half million is going to cripple Edmonton, who we will get to in the the last three years of that deal. But I think I think I got to give some some props to Kyle Dubas and the lease organization. So you lose Frederick Anderson; he cost you five million dollars against the cap. He comes off, but you need to replace him as a goaltender. Linus Allmark got five a year. Jonathan Bernier, who's already been on your team before, got four over four million per year. Darcy Kemper made over four per year, though I know he was retained salary. Grubauer almost got six. Martin Jones even got two. I think Toronto made the best decision in net. I think they went with the guy who's best suited for a cap hit in Morazic at $3.8 million. He's also a goaltender that is used to a tandem in Carolina when he was splitting with Nadelkovich and James Reimer. And you got him on a pretty decent term. You got him at three years on that deal. And I like the work ethic in Morazic. I know he's had some health issues in the past, but maybe a tandem. Maybe a true tandem, because he was technically the number one going into the season and then got hurt. But a tandem with Jack Campbell, who I know everyone's talking about, oh, he's got health issues too. Well, yeah, in the playoffs, he was there. He didn't get hurt in the playoffs. So you got to gotta give him the benefit of the doubt going into the season. I think they made the right move in net. Everyone who's saying, oh, you know, he's a downgrade from Frederick Anderson, he's not. Freddie Anderson has just been, last year he was unplayable. You couldn't play him. You had to play Campbell first, and then honestly, I would have trusted Dave Riddick more in net for Toronto than I would have Frederick Anderson. You couldn't trust him in a game. And Freddie got four and a half million dollars. 
Toronto went out and signed uh, forward David Camp from the Chicago Blackhawks to a two-year deal with uh, a cap of $1.5 million. Now, again, this was the analytics community coming out here and be like, I don't understand this signing. And like everyone just looked at his numbers and had no idea who he was as a player. And in all fairness, neither did I. But I started doing research. And I started looking into him in his past years and what role he played and how much ice time he gets and who he played against. And then Chicago fans started coming out. So his analytical numbers aren't great. He's not a big goal scorer. But what he does is he's a defensive center who kills penalties and shuts down the opponent's top players. Remember a couple years ago in the play-in series when Edmonton magically lost to the, to the Chicago Blackhawks? You know who matched up against McDavid? David Kampf. He was the shutdown guy that allowed Taves and Kane and Debrinket and Doc and Strom to thrive because Kampf was their shutdown guy. I think Toronto signed this guy to be their third line center, to be a shutdown center, to take that responsibility off of John Tavares, who can now go out and purely score goals, which is why they're paying him $11 million to do it. Go sign a cheap center who you know is not going to score a lot of goals. You know who else we just saw this with, by the way? Philip Deneau. We just saw this. Deneau couldn't score in the entire postseason run. And Montreal played like 20-something games. Deneau had like two goals. And he still got paid $5.5 million knowing that he is not going to score you goals on offense. He's going to shut you down as a center. Toronto essentially said, we're going to follow that meta, but instead of paying Philip Deneau five and a half, we're going to pay David Camp 1.5. So I understand the move. I think what Toronto wants to do is get a third line, a third checking line center to pair off with two guys who are super annoying to play against, who neutralize the other team's best players. I think that's what it's going to be. He's also a penalty killing center who Toronto desperately needs who's going to eat up a lot of minutes in that role. He's also a very incredibly in-shape guy, and I think it's a good move for the team. They also took a stab on a forward by the name of Michael Bunting from the Arizona Coyotes, a two-year deal with an average annual cap of only nine hundred grand. Apparently, people were coming out and saying, this is the perfect player to replace Zach Hyman with, has that kind of same mentality. He's super annoying. He's pesky. He's hardworking. He's relentless on the puck. And Toronto just got a cheaper, younger version of Zach Hyman to an extent. Do, am I comparing him to Zach Hyman? No. But this is, everyone's complaining about, well, why didn't Toronto make a bigger splash move? Because they've got their core. They got their guys. Like it or not, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander are the guys. No, they didn't perform last year in the playoffs. Two of them didn't perform. I should say that. Nylander was their best player. Tavares got hurt game one. Can't put that on Tavares. Nylander showed up. They still get to keep Kerfoot, who's probably going to play on the second line now. And you still have Matthews Marner, who are playoff, who are regular season guys, but we've seen Matthews come alive in the playoffs before. And, you know, Marner before this past season, you know, I know he hasn't scored a playoff goal in like 18 games or something like that, but he led the team in points two years ago against the Bruins. That's their core. So you're not signing big free agents like Jane Schwartz or Deneau or whoever. One, they don't have the money. Two, they've already got the star players to do it. If they're going to make a move for a star player, it's going to be trading another star player. That's the way it's going to work. They didn't get a, fe- they didn't get a defenseman because defense wasn't the issue last year. Then they made a bunch of mini signings like um, 
uh, Curtis Gabriel from the San Jose Sharks, who's a fighter. They also brought in a couple other younger uh, depth guys, uh, Alex Biega on defense from the Red Wings and a few other defensemen and forwards, but they're adding cheap depth. They're taking a swing on. They also signed Josh Ho-Sang to a professional tryout from the New York Islanders. He was once a very coveted uh, prospect who was a high draft pick and, you know, maybe a fresh start. And Toronto also still has about $3.5 million in cap space of room. They plan on using that on a top six forward. And we'll go over some of the forwards later. But I got to give kudos to a team of Toronto, and I know I already said this, but in a market where there was $570-plus million given out to players and a flat cap era where money's only going to get tighter for teams, I respect Toronto not spending the most on a goaltender, who I think was the perfect fit for this team, not overpaying a forward like Alexander Wenberg or Mikhail Granlund, who got absurd raises from the money they made before. Now, Seattle has the money to do it, so fine. But Granlund staying in Nashville is just a a head-scratcher to me, considering the fact that they already have two centers who make $8 million. But Toronto didn't bite on that. They didn't say, you know what, screw it, let's go pay that money. They didn't go in on Dougie Hamilton, who who ended up costing $9 million, which Toronto didn't have. They got their goaltender. They got their their depth forwards, guys to plug in the lineup. They've still got a little bit of money to work with. They're waiting it out, trying to get another decent name player, maybe on a bargain or make a trade or something like that. But you got to give kudos to a team for not biting, for not succumbing to the peer pressure of watching every other team spend crazy amounts of money and then feeling left out and jumping on. They didn't do that. They stayed back. You got you got to give them kudos. Because the Edmonton Oilers just spent a bunch of money on a bunch of players who Zach Hyman will make them better, but that contract's going to suck in the last three years of their deal. And you know what? Let's just move on here. Let's make that transition to the to the Edmonton Oilers, who they had about $20 million in cap space. They traded Ethan Bear away for, for a winger. So they got better up front. They signed Zach Hyman. And Tyson Berry got a lot of points for them, but defensively he's a little eh. But they had money to go out and get, and there were goaltenders on the market. Philip Grubauer was on the market. Morazic was on the market. Frederick Anderson was on the market. They could have traded for Darcy Kemper, who was on the market. They made a lot of moves that, I don't know why they're trying to be the, like, 2014 or 15 or 16 Maple Leafs, but the Hyman move I get. You got to pay up a little bit to get that kind of forward on your team. They then re-signed Tyson Berry to $4.5 million for over the next three years. He had the most points of any defenseman last year. And then they signed Cody Ceci, who, from what I hear, had a decent season last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But all the evidence prior to that showed that Cody Ceci was not the greatest defender. And in this new system, you've traded away Ethan Bear who was a great number two, a second-pairing guy. CeCe's now going to have to play with aging Duncan Keith, who they also acquired, and Darnell Nurse, who last year was paired with Adam Larson, who is a defensive specialist, will now probably have to take a step back from the offense that he created last year and help out defensively, which is going to hurt both of their values. 
and they didn't address the goaltending in any way. They brought back the same two guys they had last year, and everyone's going to comment and be like, Kyle, Mike Smith was actually really good last year. Yeah, well, they got swept. They got swept. You know, like, at least Toronto's changing it up a little bit. They brought in a new goalie. Their defense wasn't the issue. They had to let a couple forwards go, but, like, they brought in bunting, and they brought in, like, the issue for Edmonton last year wasn't the offense. Their issue was their defense and their goaltending. And they got worse on defense and stayed the same in net. They had $20 million. You could have gone out and signed David Savard at $3.5 million. You could have gotten Morazic or Freddie or Grubauer and still made the Ethan Bear trade to bring in Warren Fogle, and then still could have gone out and signed. There's still Thomas Tatar on the market. There's that Nick Ritchie on the market right now, who's a perfect fit in Edmonton. You bought out James Neal, so there's a slot there. I just, I, I, for me, last year we had the conversation with Edmonton about they've got to change it up at net. You cannot bring Mike Smith back, and Miko Koskinen I know is one year left in his deal. And I know that. I know it's a sucky contract. You couldn't have moved him to Arizona and flipped him for Darcy Kemper and also thrown in a first-round pick? Like, that's the cost of getting your goaltender. You've got your team. You don't have to worry about draft picks anymore. You've got the best player in the world, and then you have maybe the third or fourth other best player in the world. You brought in your grit player in Zach Hyman. You could have brought in David Savard, who would have been perfect Pairing with Darnell Nurse. Tyson Berry, if you wanted to bring him back, sure. He can play on your second pairing. There's other defensemen. Like, you didn't have to trade for Duncan Keith, who makes a lot of money and is really declining. There were a lot of other left-hand shot defensemen you could have signed. They didn't do that. They have no other defensive depth. Their last pairing is Chris Russell and rookie Evan Bouchard, who I've watched Evan Bouchard in in the London Knights organization. He was the captain of the team. He's a phenomenal prospect. But I don't know if he's ready to step into that role just yet. He might be. And you might have struck gold with this dude. This dude might come in, and I've I've watched him. He's one he's got he's got an NHL shot. He's got a boomer of a shot. But I've seen him get beat defensively. I remember him in his last year with the London Knights organization got beat by a 16-year-old rookie in overtime on a game-winning goal. I've seen it, right? The, the, the foot speed, now it's probably improved in the last three years since I've watched him because he's been playing in the AHL. He's been putting up great numbers in the AHL. But you're very thin on defense. Very thin. There was a lot of players out there. A lot of defensemen. David Savard would have been perfect for Edmonton. Frederick Anderson would have been perfect for Edmonton. Perfect for Edmonton. Schwartz. Perfect for Edmonton. You didn't even have to trade Ethan Bear. I'm just, uh, just kind of blown away over here. So, very interesting offseason for Edmonton. They, they're going all offensive. Their defense is also offensive and will be, uh, I, I didn't get the Cody CC signing. Cody CeCe's making almost as much money. No, he's making as much money as David Savard, who just won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who played a prominent role there too. If David Savard was there instead of him, I'd have been like, awesome, great. 
But that's the direction Ken Holland wants to go in. So we'll see how it pans out for the Oilers. But I just I don't see them. I don't see how they got better defensively and in net. Because they added a defenseman who's not really defensive to a certain extent in in Cody Ceci, who I've watched play. Tyson Berry, you brought back, who has defensive woes. You lost Ethan Bear, who's an up-and-coming right-hand shot defenseman, and you just gave him to a team that they always just somehow have defensemen. Like, a team that loses Jake Bean and Dougie Hamilton in Carolina somehow gets back like Ethan Bear. Now, there is some question marks involving Tony D'Angelo, and it's a very interesting pick, to say the least, from Carolina after, you know, they went from their very likable team and they lowballed Dougie Hamilton and, you know, other guys like Alex Nedeljkovic, and they're just trying to go on the cheaper end. But anyways, it's Carolina's had much more success lately than a lot of teams, so you can't question a whole lot what Ron Brindamore and that uh, front office is doing over there. But, okay, we've done Montreal, we've done Toronto, we've done Edmonton. Let's move on quickly to the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, Winnipeg for me is a team that they didn't do a whole lot in terms of signing players and whatnot, but they did a couple of their signings that I actually really liked kind of before everything happened. The first big thing that they did was they re-signed Peter's, or Paul Stasny sorry, to a one-year extension in which he's going to make $3.75 million. Why is that important? He played for them last year, but he made $6.5 million. So you're getting the exact same player back at almost 50% discount. You brought in trades of Nate Schmidt. You still have Neil Pionk. You still got Josh Morrissey. You still got Connor Hellebuck. I like what this team has done so far. And they also traded for Brendan Dillon, a really big, tough defenseman, 30 years of age, three years left, reasonable cap at $3.9 million. Gave up a couple seconds for him, but now you've got Dylan DeMello locked in at three per year. Good defenseman. You've still got Neil Pionk, who you have to resign, but he's been a really nice bargain for you in that trade with Jacob Truba. Josh Morrissey is an incredible defenseman. And Nate Schmidt, I think, was going to work out really well over there. So defensively, Winnipeg got a lot better, but they didn't have to sign anybody. The only guys they have to sign, they have to sign RFA Andrew Kopp, and they got to sign RFA um, uh, Neil Pionk. But they've made a lot of moves without having to overpay for guys in free agency. And the guys that they had paid, who were going to go into free agency, Paul Stasny, took a discount. The Jets still have over $7.5 million in cap space. They have a lot of guys they have to resign. They've only had 35 contracts on the team. But they'll need a backup goaltender which they will get. They need a couple other role players who there is a lot of them out there who will, you know, look for contracts in the next little bit. I think a lot of guys will fill out that roster quite nicely. And I really like what, what the what the Jets have done so far. I got to be honest with you. They've still got Dubois. You've still got Wheeler and Connor and Shifley and Ehlers and Stasny and Adam Lowry. And, you know, I, I, I'm liking the makeup of this team right now. I want to see what else they do with that $7 million. If any other trades happen from the Jets or if they sign a bunch of, you know, this is another team. You know, Toronto's not the only team that needs to go bargain bin hunting. Winnipeg's one of those teams. They only have on the roster 16 contracts, 16 players. They only have 35 of 50 contracts signed. I know there's prospects and everything like that, but they need to fill out the roster with NHL players. And there are still some guys that can do it. But Winnipeg's not necessarily the biggest free agent destination, but as time starts to go on, players are going to take a little bit less money or willing to go to places like Winnipeg, and I think Winnipeg's going to use that money wisely and fill the roster, and, and they'll be a pretty good team next year. Their goaltending set, their top six is set. They filled out their defense through trades. I think Brennan Dillon's a great ad. Nate Schmidt they got for a pretty decent ad, too. 
All those guys are now locked up and under under term. Nathan Bull, you still there, who's a super uh, underrated player. He plays both the left and the right side of defense, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of what the Jets did, so good on them. Uh, the Calgary Flames, they did uh, quite a whole lot. They added, you know, Blake Coleman, like we mentioned earlier, who uh, signed a six-year deal at $4.9 million per season, and, you know, the Flames are an interesting team. So they lost defenseman um, Mark Giordano in the expansion draft. But I'm looking at them defensively. They just traded for Nikita Zadorov, who I think they traded a third-round pick for. They have to re-sign him to an RFA. They've still got Dylan Dubé, who's an RFA, who they have to re-sign as well. They bring in Coleman, who's going to be a great ad for their top six. But I don't think Calgary's done. Now, Calgary still has $12 million, $12 million left in cap space. And they've still got Kachuk, who's got one more year at RFA. Johnny Gaudreau, who's got one more year until his UFA. Sean Monahan, Michael Backlund... Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangiapane, right? You're, no, you're noticing all these names over here. You know, I think their forward group's going to be pretty all right. I, I honestly, I'm going to call it right now. I would not be surprised if one of Goudreau or Backlund is gone. You know, they bring Blake, Blake Coleman in. He plays center. Sean Monahan's probably still your number one center. They really like Elias Lindholm at center next year. And now you've got Blake Coleman. I think Backlund could be on the move, though it's going to be a tough contract. He's got three years left at $5.35 million. I don't know who takes that on, but, you know, Calgary's, they're in an interesting spot. You know, they've got their goaltender in Jake Markstrom. They're probably going to sign a backup goaltender who's going to be relatively cheap because Markstrom's going to be the guy's uh, 31 years of age, $6 million, locked in for five more years. Defensively, as much as, you know, it sucks losing Mark Giordano, it saved them $6 million or almost $7 million in cap. They've still got a top four of Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, um, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov. You've still got Oliver Kylington, and then they can sign in another uh, defenseman or bring up one of their RFAs. You know, they're in an interesting spot. Um, I don't think this is their final roster. I think that still a lot of moves have to be made for this team, including two RFAs. But honestly, don't be surprised if someone gets moved. It might be Backlund. It might be Goudreau. Backlund can also play wing. I know he's he's a center listed on cap friendly, but he can also play wing. Blake Coleman has played center before. He can also play wing. He'll be in that top six. But if Blake Coleman's in and he plays wing and he replaces Goudreau, don't be surprised if Goudreau is gone. Don't be surprised if Goudreau or Backlund maybe are on the move. Mangiapane's a great Great young player. He's got one more year left at $2.4 million. Dylan Dubé has proved he's a good player for them too. But there have already been rumblings before about Johnny Gaudreau and maybe even a Michael Backlund, but I think they like his character in there. But with, with Blake Coleman locked in now at six years at 4.9, Gaudreau going with a little bit of salary retained in the final year of his contract wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Um, all right, let's move on to the Vancouver Canucks. And <laughs> Vancouver's an interesting team to me. So Vancouver makes this move which I was all for on. They make this big move where they trade Louis Erickson. And by the way, I have an article written about this over at the Hockey Writers if you want to go check it out. But I said it's a big win. You know, despite taking the risk of bringing on Oliver Ekman Larson, it's a big win, this Vancouver trade. And they they got they acquired Connor Garland, who they just re-signed to a five-year extension at $4.9 million per season, and Oliver Ekman Larson. They got rid of Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, the ninth overall pick, and then I believe a second-round pick next year along with a seventh. 
But everyone was like, oh, you know, it's kind of iffy. You know, Oliver ekman Larson makes a lot of money. Arizona's also eating 12% of his contract. So his cap hit in Vancouver is only $7.26 million. His, his, his analytical numbers were just, I, I don't know, interesting numbers. But, you know, maybe a change of scenery. Maybe a defensive partner who they re-signed Travis Hamannick to. Possibly, you know, reinvigorates him. Maybe not the defenseman that everyone thought he was, but if he's a step up better than what he was, right? If he's a couple notches above, he's still not overly incredible, but he's a serviceable second pairing guy. I think it's a win. They also created almost $5 million in cap space by moving Roussel, Erickson, and Beagle, who had a combined cap hit of $12 million. They re-signed Connor Garland, to $4.9 million per season. And you're like, how do they how do they save money? They then traded Nate Schmidt, who made almost $6 million per season in exchange for, I believe, a third-round pick to the Jets. They also bought out Braden Holpe along with Jake Furtanen. More cap space. And they had, at, at one point, $26 million in cap space. And why that's important is they have three very important RFAs to sign. Jason Dickinson, who they just acquired from the Dallas Stars, Elias Pedersen, and Quinn Hughes. None of them right now are signed. But what does is, what is Jim Benning do instead? He, saw, he re-signs Travis Hamannick first, who making $3 million a season. They signed Tucker Poolman, a right-hand shot defenseman, to an average cap of $2.5 million. They signed Luke Shen, to a two-year deal with 850K. It's fine. And then they brought in Yaroslav Halak on a one-year deal with $1.5 million. They had to do that to bring in a backup goaltender for Yaroslav Halak. They also then re-signed Brandon Sutter to a one-year deal at $1.125 million. But now Vancouver only has $14 million in cap space. You say, Kyle, only 14? That's a pretty good amount. Right, but you still need to sign Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, arguably your two most important players, who now you are going to be forced into signing bridge deals with because you can't pay them long-term anymore. You can't pay Hughes $8 million over eight years. You can't pay Pettersson $9 million over the next eight years because you don't got the cap space to do it. So now you got to sign bridge deals at like $6 million and $7 million just to get under the cap, not to mention... Jason Dickinson, who you brought in to be your third pair or your third line center, will also probably need three to four million dollars. So Vancouver's probably making a trade at some point. I'm assuming a guy like Tanner Pearson's probably gone because he makes three and a half million dollars or 3.25 million dollars. Miller's gonna stay, Horvat's gonna stay, Garland's gonna stay, Tyler Mott's gonna stay, Brandon Sutter's probably gonna stay because they just re-signed him. But I just I question. You, if, if, if you're Vancouver and Jim Benning is your GM, you staple him to the chair, you tie him to the chair, and you say you're not allowed to call anybody on July 1st or July 28th, whatever the date was for free agency. Day one of free agency, Jim Benning's not allowed to make a phone call. Your two most important players are still unsigned. They sent qualifying offers to them, but it that, that, they're not re-signing them. They're not re-signing the qualifying offers. There's no way they sign those. Also, because Brock Besser's up in a year. I just, I had so many question marks 
They had it. They had $26 million in cap space. They still could have they still could have signed Halak. They still could have brought in Luke Shen. They still wanted to, to sign Tucker Pullman, sure. But now you've got four right-hand shot defensemen who like why? Tyler Myers, Hamannick, Pullman, Luke Shen. You also have Jack Rathbone, Oliver Ekman Larson, and supposedly Quinn Hughes. But I don't know why Hughes wasn't your first option. Hughes and Pedersen should have been done already. You know, everybody makes fun of the Leafs for the way they handled their RFA situations with Marner and Nylander. And to be fair, no, they were not handled well. Right? Marner missed a day. Nylander almost missed an entire season. But Toronto's not the only team that's doing this. The Islanders squeaked in the Matthew Barzell deal. The only reason Carolina re-signed Sebastian Ajo was because they got they got offer sheeted by Montreal. I just, those are my two top priorities. Those are the players that drive this team. Elias Pedersen, when he went down last year, this team was a nightmare. Quinn Hughes on the back end is like, is the best thing that could have happened to you. He felled you at seven in the draft. You should be paying him. You should be locking him up to Miro Heiskanen money. Eight years, eight and a half million dollars. That's going to be a steal in three years. Now you don't have the cap space to do it. Lies Pedersen coming off an injury. You could have been like, listen, we want you long-term. We'll pay eight. We'll sign you for eight years. Give you eight, eight and a half, nine, whatever that number is. It's still less than guys like Tyler Sagan. It's less than guys like Seth Jones. It's less than Marner and Matthews. Right? Like, those would have been the two guys I signed. And then go, again, bargain hunting. Yurislav Halak, one and a half million. Awesome. Luke Shen, two years, $850,000. He's a defensive guy. He's sit back. He's not the greatest hands, but he's 31 years of age and he's making 850 k You know who else is making that? Zach Bogosian, who signed that deal in, in Tampa Bay. Bargain bin hunting. There are guys out there who can fill that role. You don't need an offensive defenseman beside Quinn Hughes. You need a defensive guy. You don't need an offensive guy beside Oliver Ekman You need a defensive guy. I bet you could assign Travis Hamannick to less money than that. Jason Dickinson, you traded picks, assets to get him. Sign him. Then fill out the rest of your roster. They, they, he dropped the ball. He created all this cap space, did a great job, signed Connor Garland, moved Nate Schmidt, bought out Braden Holpe and, and, and Jake Furtanen, and then just started throwing it at players. Jim Benning is not allowed to make a phone call on July 1st unless it's to an RFA who's already on your team. I don't know how they're going to do this. I have no idea how the Vancouver Canucks are going to re-sign these players. You can tell I'm starting to become more invested because I write for them every every day. But, oh, my gosh. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to move somebody. I think Tanner Pearson's got to go. And they're probably going to have to give up. They're probably not going to get a whole lot back from him. They might even have to give up assets to get rid of him. Call Toronto. They need a top six winger. They need it under three and a half million. Toronto, you don't have to give up a whole lot to get them. That'd actually be a good deal. Toronto's a couple guys too. They need to get rid of guys like Pierre Engvall, who come in at $1.12 million. Move Engvall in like a fifth for Pearson. Gives you a little more cap room. Gives you a roster player. Armchair GM over here. Uh, Okay, final team I want to get to, the Ottawa Senators. Now, Ottawa, to be honest with you, 
they're setting up for the future, and I understand that. They still have $30 million in cap space. It's a dead cap. They're a team that doesn't like spending to the cap. They didn't do a whole lot. They traded Evgeny Dadnoff to the Vegas Golden Knights for a third-round pick and 34-year-old defenseman uh, Nick Holden, uh, who's just who's going to be a roster player for a year, and then they can probably flip him and get more assets for him. They also signed Michael Delzato to a two-year deal. Uh, he's going to make $2 million per season. And then... That's kind of all they did. They signed, They have Anton Forsberg on a one-year $900,000 contract. They still have Matt Murray. But I'm just, I'm looking at the rest of their team right now, and I don't know who they're going to roster. Here's their, here's their lineup. Colin White, who signed a four-year $4.75 million deal. I don't know. He's, I don't know. Anyways. Connor Brown, who's their, like, 20-goal scorer. Brady Kachuk's an RFA. Drake Batherson's an RFA. Alex Formanton is one left, one year left on his deal. Tim Stutzel is there. Nicholas Paul, Josh Norris. Defensively, Thomas Shabbat, Nikita Zaitsev, Delzato, Holden, Artem Zub, Artem Zub, who makes two and a half million dollars per year. I mean, it's, it's going to be another rebuilding year for this team. They're going with a lot of youth. They're going with, but they still got $30 million, but you've got to sign Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson. Batherson's probably going to make five, four to five, somewhere in there. Brady Kachuk's probably going to do a bridge at like seven, eight, similar to what his brother did. So there's 12 gone. But you've still got almost $18 million in cap space. Victor Mete's also in RFA. He's probably going to make three to four. All right, so now you're down to like $13, 14000000 million. But it's, uh, I don't think they're done yet. They got a lot of guys, a lot of very, very young players. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players who are could be on like RFA, like under a million dollar cap hits. You've got Eric Brandstrom. You've got Jacob Bedard Docker. You've got Formanton. You've got Cole Sherwood. You've got Shane Pinto, Stutzla, Norris. All guys under a million dollars. So Ottawa's just kind of a wait and see team, wait and see kind of team for me because they still have $30 million. They've moved out guys like Dadenoff, who made five, but you also need roster players. You got to fill out your roster. And they are going back into a division with Tampa Bay, Florida, Boston. You still got to play Toronto and Montreal. The only team you might have a chance against is Buffalo. And even still, they might still have Eichel. And I just. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a quote, slow rebuild for that organization, but not a whole lot of movement. They moved out a couple players. They sent a couple depth roster players like Del Zotto and whatnot. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. Um, you know, they're still a pesky team. They're, they're, they always try to give you a lot, but they got some young talent definitely, but you know, they've got a lot, they got a lot of work to do to get back to that contention area. Um, okay. So a couple of teams I want to quickly get to here. Before we head out, the New York Rangers have really been an interesting organization. Chris Drury takes over. They trade Pavel Buchnevich. They, you know, they bring in toughness and they, it's, it's just been, it's been an odd off season. Buchnevich is gone. They bring in Sammy Blyce. They trade a pick, a third round pick. And they acquire Ryan Reeves from the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, they, they're still loaded up front. 
They're still a team who I assume is still in on the Jack Eichel conversations. I think, honestly, in my opinion, it's down to two or three teams. I think it's the Rangers. I think it's the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think it's the Minnesota Wild. I think those are the three teams remaining. And I think that's what the Rangers are doing right now. And the reason I think the Rangers is they've, I believe they've got a little bit of cap space. They've got the players to trade. And I just question. They've got $13 million in cap. Ryan Strom is going to be UFA. He makes $4.5 million. Zabinajad's got one more year at UFA at 5.3. Holy smokes. Panarin's locked up. Kreider's locked up. You just locked up Barkley Goodrow. You traded a second for his rights. You just re-signed Philip Heedle. You've still got Lafreniere, Kako. Defensively, Truba, Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Tenority. You've got Georgiev still as well, along with Shesterkin. I think the money's there for this team. And if you want to try and keep Zabinajad, you can trade Strom. If it's going to take a guy like Zabinajad, sure. But Zabinajad was assistant captain last year for this team. So it makes all the sense in the world. I can I can see a trade where the Rangers trade one of Zabinajad or Strom because they, they need center depth right now to replace Reinhardt and Eichel if that deal happens. I don't know if Lafreniere is going to be part of that deal. I don't know if they want to give that up, but maybe a guy like Capocacco, Keandre Miller, a defenseman, and a guy like maybe Alexander Georgiev, who we know is on the market because Shesterkson's an RFA who needs to be resigned. Georgiev's got one year left who makes 2.4, and they signed Keith Kincaid to be their backup goaltender. Defensively, they're loaded. They've got Tenority and Truba and Lindgren and Nemeth and Fox. Keandre Miller is kind of that young 21-year-old, even maybe a guy like Zachary Jones, who's 20 years of age. You know, they they can send a defensive prospect. They can send a couple forwards and a goalie. Buffalo apparently doesn't have anybody. They got like two guys right now who like Aaron Dell and I don't know who else, but they need an actual goalie to build around. Plus an actual roster player like a Ryan Strom or a Mika Zibinijad. Both of them have one year left at before they hit unrestricted free agency. Both don't make crazy cap hits. And the Rangers can fit it under the cap. I, I don't know if that's the move they're trying to go for, but I mean, I'll tell you this. They got harder to play against. Ryan Reeves, Barkley Goodrow. I don't know why you moved out a guy like Buchnevich, who was like a point-per-game player, but maybe that's the sacrifice you got to make if you're going for an Eichel. But a tandem of Jack Eichel and Zabinajad or Jack Eichel and Ryan Strom with Philip Heedle in the middle sounds pretty good to me. If, you, if you're asking me, but just interesting. You know, Gorgiev's been on the block now for God knows how many years. It's feel like it's been like two or three years. I remember he was rumored to go to Toronto. Like, if you take too long, teams are just going to find other options. This is your best bet. If you're trying to go get Jack Eichel right now, they don't have a goalie, they have no center depth, and they are starving for young, talented wingers and defensemen. You have literally all those things to check off the box. Zabinajad or Strom. If I'm, if I'm Chris Drury, I call Buffalo and I'm like, pick one. Start with Zabinajad or Strom. They probably go Zabinajad. You try and work Strom in there. But if it's Zabinajad, great. You want a young player too? Take Capocacco. We've got Alexis Lafreniere. He's our guy anyways. 
You want a defenseman? Keandre Miller. We've got Truba and Lindgren and Nemeth and Tenorti and Adam Fox. You can take another young defenseman. You want a goaltender? Here's Alexander Georgiev. You want to throw a pick in there? Here's a second round pick because you're getting everything else off the box. If I'm Buffalo at this point, you're like, you're giving us literally everything and we get a pick out of it for a guy who doesn't want to be here anymore. If that's if 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 this is what the Rangers are working up to do, then it'll all make sense. But if they don't come in and bring in a guy like Jack Eichel, I, I read a tweet earlier. Essentially, they've they've given up Buchnevich for Alex Blyce and Ryan Reeves. That doesn't make you. I don't know. That's just that that. It, it makes you tougher. Does it make you harder to play against? I would think that having more skill makes you harder to play against. But anyways, that's just my thought on the Rangers. And then finally here, I want to go to the Bruins. The Boston Bruins this year, I think they know that they have to go all in. The Bruins signed, it seemed like they signed about 98 guys. They brought in just a plethora of players. I'm going to go through the list here. Nick Felino. Uh, three-year deal. I think he makes like three point, three point seven or three point eight million dollars per season. Felino's on the roster. Eric Kala, two-year deal, makes two point three seven five million dollars per year. Taylor Hall resigned, four-year, six million dollar per season. Thomas Nosek, two-year deal, he makes one point seven five million dollars per year. You know, I look on defense; they're still good. They signed Linus Olmark, four-year deal, five million dollar cap hit. No Tuka Rask on the roster. They've only got $1 million. They've only got about a million dollars left. You know who else isn't on that roster? Who I think is really going to hurt the Bruins? No David Krejci. Now he's unsigned, and he could very well go back. And apparently the rumor right now is that Jake DeBrus could be a player that could be on the move for them. But if I'm looking right now, and by the way, Charlie McAvoy is in the final year of an RFA deal where he makes 4.9. He will get the bag. Patrice Bergeron is in the final year of a $6.8 million contract. He will get the bag. And Jake DeBrusque is in the final year of an RFA deal where he makes $3.675 million. Boston went all in. Why they didn't bring back Krejci, I don't know. I think he's such an underrated player in this league. He made, he made a lot of money last year, but he's not going to make that again. He's not going to make $7 million. He's probably a guy that'll make $5 million because he's 35 years of age. But if they're trying to bring him back, you have to move a guy like DeBrusque or Charlie Coyle or whatever the case may be. But Coyle's 29, Krejci's 35. But they bring in and they sign Felino, They sign Halla. They sign Nosik. They sign Allmark. They sign Derek Forbert, defense, uh, defenseman. They sign Mike Riley. They've already got McAvoy and Carlo and Grizzlick. But I think that what's going to hurt this team is not bringing back a player who I just think was undervalued because all the attention is on Bergeron and Pasternak and Marchand and Rask isn't there either. And Olmark's been hurt before, and that's their only goalie on cap friendly. You know, now I'm not saying anyone's going to shut down the perfection line, but right now your second line in Boston is looking like Charlie Coyle, Taylor Hall, and Eric Halla? 
Thomas Nosek, maybe? I'm looking at right wingers. Coyle plays center right wing. Felino has all three positions open, though. I think he's a left winger. Craig Smith, maybe? Center? Because Eric Hall can play a little bit of center. Craig Smith with Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall. I like Coyle as a player. But he's not David Krejci. And I think that the not having the presence of Krejci anymore is going to hurt a lot more than I think more most people think. I could be alone, and Boston is probably going to be great next year. But Tuka Rask, not having him there is going to feel very weird. Not having Krejci. Also, Nick Ritchie's no longer a member of that team, who was a big net for presence in, like, the perfect Boston Bruin. He's not there anymore either. If I'm a team that needs a a guy like Krejci, I, it, I'm throwing a three-year deal his way at $5 million per. Is that last year maybe not going to come to it? Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't play up to it. But he's been a point-per-game player. He was a point-per-game almost last year. He made seven. He'll probably make five this year. Five and a half, maybe. That's that's a bigger loss than I think a lot of people are thinking. And Boston's trying to trade DeBrusque, who is 24. Getting, he didn't have a great year with Boston last year, but he was really diminishing his role. But I think a team could really take advantage. Again, I know I'm a little bit of a homer on this, but man, how good would he look in a Leaf uniform? You trade over a player like, I don't know, I keep bringing his name up, Pierre Engvall or Ilya Mikheyev or whatever. The money works both ways. Toronto's got a top six winger to go with Matthews or Tavares. Bruins save a little bit of money. They get a guy who can slot in on their third or fourth line. Just, trust me, there's been it's been crazy in the NHL. Do not think the deals are over yet. Do not think the teams are settling in. Toronto's still making a move. They've got money to spend. $3.5 million, apparently, according to Elliot Friedman. It's going to their top six. Whether it's trade or free agency, we will find out. Boston still has some holes in their roster, and they've only got a million dollars in cap space. They are going to make a move. Vancouver is... They've got three RFAs to sign who will cost probably close to $20 million. They've only got 14. They are probably going to make a move. And and Calgary, same thing. Calgary's got some RFAs. Goudreau has been rumored for a while. He might be on the go as well. I'm 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 this is not this free agency, the frenzy, not over yet. Still moves to be made. Tarasenko still wants out. Nothing has happened on that so far. But we'll see what's coming. Maybe some stuff happens over the weekend. And and I'm just ready for more hockey news. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hit, let's wrap it up today. We have another again another over hour episode here on the podcast. Thank you for listening in. Hope you enjoyed the takes. If you got anything else, let me know. Uh, you can shoot me a message in the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast pages, Twitter, Instagram, ST Hockey Podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Anchor as well. Enjoy the long weekend, y'all. I'll be back here on Tuesday. I think moving forward, I might cut it down to one episode a week. I haven't made the full decision yet, but I'll take the weekend. I'll think on it, and uh, and we'll move from there. But until then, that's it. Enjoy the long weekend. That's a wrap. <laughs>